APB, American Protection Bureau, voted number one best on Long Island for all your security needs. Call 631-390-9050. That's 631-390-9050. APB. You need a body shop? You need engine repair? Auto Excellence. Collision Specialist. 631 631- Two six one six four two zero. That's six three one two six one six four two zero. Auto Excellence. Jimmy, I gotta take a dump. What? No. I mean, I need a dumpster. <sighs> well, for all those needs, you need to call Big V Dumpster Rental, Long Island, New York. Six three one nine hundred dump. Elm Logistics, for all your logistic needs, call 631-299-3595. That's 631-299-3595. Elm Global Logistics, pride, performance, and partnerships. The Monty and the Pharaoh Show is brought to you by... Because wine is your second favorite four-letter word. California wine, New York attitude, good fucking wine. Yeah. Tired of that same old, same old breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Same old tasting scrambled eggs, burger, that dinner steak, ribs, or pork chops. Why not add a little bit of spice or just a touch of heat to make the difference? Change that scrambled egg with a little bit of Johnny Fabulous's John Cena Sr.'s Million Dollar Jalapeno Hot Sauce. Great on burgers, steaks, chops, and those barbecued ribs. And Nitro's Garage for all your automotive needs. Call 646-675-2349. That's 646-675-2349. For all your automotive needs, Nitro's Garage. Ask for Jack. Do you treat your dog as part of the family? (laughs) Well, so do we. So why not celebrate your pup's birthday with the ultimate party box? Check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Party Pup Info, and let us make your pup's party or any celebration perfection. M&J Video Games and Collectibles. Sport and non-sport cards, wrestling items, autographed items. We buy, sell, and trade. M&J Video Games and Collectibles, located at 1049 Queen Street, Southington, Connecticut, Call us at 1-860-479-9223 or 860-93-GAMES. M&J, video games and collectibles. Hey everybody, welcome to Wrestling Remembered. I'm your host, Joe. What a day, Lowry. Thank you everybody for spending their Friday night with us. Of course, we all know this is a show that takes you back to the 
to the best age of pro wrestling, I would say. And joining me is my esteemed panelists, as you will. Uh, first up, we got the president, El Presidente of Thursday night, Phil DeCesare. Welcome. Don't forget one descriptor, Joe. There's What's an important that? one. Yeah. As of this Thursday night, what? You are the champione. La champion. That's champion. right. You, gotta, you can't the title. It might have been a controversy finish, but hey, that's <laughs> not me to tell. And that's a good segue in here. We can go right now to the other referee of the 30. <laughs> uh, What's going on, guys? What's going on? So, Phil, you're the wanna... president of Thursday nights. Does that mean you don't have as uh, much authority tonight? Ooh. Ooh. I, I think I still have some uh, diplomatic immunity, Bruce. I got. I got to watch what I say. I don't want points deducted after or before the show. So we got to be careful. <laughs> That's why you guys are always on the clock. There you go. There you go. And finally, we have the Thursday night delight, who always joins us on Friday <laughs> night. He's my brother from another mother, and he's got what 22, 23 inch pythons. He's the player, Benny Scala, straight out mm-hmm. of Playerville. Glad to be here. Great out of Playville. Always Beth, Maria, Baby Cakes, everybody in the chat tonight. Thank you for tuning in, spending your Friday night with us here as we talk tag teams and turncoats. You know, we originally were going to talk about uh, tag teams, but then I got to thinking, well, with tag teams, they've always turned on each other. It was always, you know, when things were going great, tag team championships were, were, were uh, you know, they, they received, you know, they won them and so forth. And what happens? Oh, well, you know, jealousy, you know, all that stuff kicks in. Phil, what is your uh, favorite memory of tag teams turning and all that good stuff? You know, it, it it depends on the era. There are so many classic ones, and I don't want to steal anyone's thunder. So I'm going to go with one. Yeah. As much as I thought that the uh, I liked Peter Maivia and Bob Backlund and that, yeah. and Maivia was kind of a serial turner in his own right, you know, yeah. in fact, We've noticed a couple of um, the wrestlers over the years tended to be like this kind of back and forth. We talk about um, the big show being one of them, um, you know, Paul Warndorf certainly too. But I was actually at one event live. It was Slamboree 1998, hailing from Worcester, Massachusetts. Worcester. 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 Yep, from the then Centrum. Nobody uh, knows that either, by the way. What's that? Nobody knows how to spell Worcester. That's okay. No, not even the inhabitants. I know that. Um, it was also the night Eric Bischoff challenged. Uh, uh, was yeah, Bischoff challenged McMahon to drive down and confront him, challenged him to the fight. But okay. it was also a night when Kevin Nash and Scott Hall mm-hmm. faced off against the then giant and Sting. Yeah. And what was notable uh, towards the end of the match. Nash had um, the power bomb set to go. Sure. And uh, on Sting, of course, and we know right. what happened when he tried it on uh, on the Big Show before. Sure. And uh, Scott Hall walloped him from behind and laid the beat down, and ultimately uh, they wow. were defeated. And it was it was kind of a watershed moment. It was the first time in WCW where they became enemies so i was there that night it was also marked the return of scott hall after many months in rehab and um i have a sign i actually got on video um and on the video i have a sign that says welcome back hall and and before the match hall grabbed the microphone he said hey yo 
and the hey, fans, yo. all all fifteen thousands, yeah. responded, "Hey yo!" in return immediately. Wow. And he says, "Yeah, we missed you too." And then the camera pans the audience. I'm wearing this very shirt. That's nice. because the shirt nice. is older than a lot of people. Wow. And I had my sign up. And uh, for me, that was a memorable turn. It really was. Um, you know, it really signified the disbanding of something, sure. of, a, of, a, of a partnership, of a coupling, of an organization that really, and I'm sure we'll discuss, changed professional right. wrestling as we know it, you oh, know, wow. on Mondays and beyond. So yep. for my money, that was a great uh great experience yeah, it's a good one that's like we should have told me would have got a graphic for that one for yeah you. i came to yeah. me late like so many things that's do joe right. we always think last minute stuff for yeah it. uh moving on the player thursday night delight what do you got what do you think Thank yeah you. my uh my i guess the most special one to me was really the first one i ever saw the yeah. first heel turn i ever saw happened in a tag team and it was the team of um handsome no i think at that time it was gentlemen Jimmy Valiant and okay. Chief J Strong, but I think they wow. were fighting uh, Graham, uh, Luke Graham, and Tarzan Tyler. Oh wow! And that is when uh, Jimmy uh, Jimmy Valiant did his sure. heel turn. Yeah. And I mean, I was I think fifteen, and I cursed a blue streak. And fortunately, my mom for <laughs> once wasn't in the kitchen <laughs> to hear me, so I got away with it. But wow. you know, it, and then it, I mentioned that because it seems like Chief J Strongbow was the recipient of many many heel turns oh yeah so just uh we got uh, uh peter Maivia as, as phil said but yeah um also um yeah i got uh, that spiros arion got that one right there's yeah. another one who Look turned that he, oh yeah he became a heel after he turned on uh he turned on uh strongbow and i, I totally his, forgot uh, address, about but. i i've totally forgot about because this is pre my era or not really my it was before i started watching wrestling but Peter Maivia and Bob Backlund had some uh, a steel cage match. I never knew that till I read the old wrestling magazines, and I was like, "Wow, I didn't know that they had a big feud." You know, I mean, this is the bloodline right here. Yeah, you know, exactly. Peter Maivia and turning on Chief J. You see it over there at the bottom left side. That was pretty graphic. But uh, they look like they were a special tag team, the High Chief and Chief J. It looks like they got along pretty good. Chiefs, until, yeah. You know, until the big heel turn, but. Yeah. What else you got to play? Anything else? You were mentioning something else. No, I mean, well, as far as tag teams, that was, but I mean, my very favorite or the not favorite, but the most e impactful heel turn in the history yeah. of my life was when Larry Zabisco oh, turned yeah. on my, on my hero, Bruno. Yeah. And, right um, yeah. you know, it's so funny. I mean, it was so perfectly orchestrated and, but still you did not, you, you, you know, they, they, they worked that exhibition. Yeah. I still didn't expect to see what I saw. And when Larry oh, need yeah. Bruno in the solar plexus and then came back in with the chair and as great of a wrestler as Bruno was, that's sure. how bad of a blader he was. I mean, that was a mess. That was a crime scene. Yeah. It looked like a homicide in that ring. Yeah. Bruno was bleeding the, buckets, the wooden but, chair is, you know, the, there's no, um, What's the word? You're getting hit with it. You can't really deny that. Oh yeah, you can't. You can't right. fake you, that. But and Dr. George Sahardian in the background there, he's all. Yeah, he's getting ready to go to work. <laughs> he's all upset. He knows what's coming. You know, yeah, he's, he's, he's got to work. You know, money. he's got to stitch up Bruno after this. But I mean, Larry was. I mean, he was a good wrestler. He was a solid yeah. mid Carter. He was a good tag team wrestler. But sure. I mean, this this shot him right to the moon yeah. for years after after that. All right, let's move it on. Let's go to ESO, S-E-S-O, the referee, the referee of the 30. Yeah, what do you, what do you, what do you got for tag teams, turn coach? Right, I know my, you my got a favorite, favorite one. one. I know you got a favorite one. I was about 10 years old, and uh, 
Paul Orndorff turning on Hulk Hogan. And this oh, yeah. was such wow. a legendary, legendary go. feud. I mean, this was the end of the small arenas, and yep. this was pretty much the last of it. And fortunately, I was I was there, and I saw this happen. And yes, after that, they went to the bigger uh, – they had switched over to Wrestling Challenge and Wrestling Superstars right. and went to bigger arenas, and never did we see these in, in my area ever again. Yeah, there if you, he is. If you look look there, at there's that. A, there's a picture of me. Uh, 10 years old with Hulk Hogan and Paul Orndorff. I was right at uh, uh, Iowa side watching them come in. And uh, you are. what a, what you a are. cool experience that was. But what a shocking night yeah. when uh, <laughs> after watching the flower shop with, with Paul Orndorff and Hulk Hogan that night and yeah. then them fighting the Moondogs and then it culminating with uh, you know, all of a sudden Paul Orndorff is raising Hogan's hand and then clotheslines him. And next thing you know, pile driver and uh, – yeah. They go to the back, back, and wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. What yeah. a and and who was, did a better uh, pile driver angle. than Paul Orndorff? Uh, he was a master technician. I love Paul Orndorff. Oh, he spiked people, I, didn't I was, he? Yeah, I was a favorite yeah, that, of Orndorff. Again, that's one of my favorite cage matches, just because of that angle. Yeah, uh, that where it culminated that uh, simultaneous. And you were one. there. That's awesome. You were there. So that's and just like Phil. He was there. You know, I wish I was there for some of these turns. You know that. You know, getting back to Hogan and Orndorff. When they were a tag team, even though it was a limited time, I, it was weird to me why Hogan was tagging with Orndorff to begin with. Because this is this is right in the middle of Hogan's run, Hulkamania and all that stuff. I never understood why they put him as a tag team. You know, it was a great tag team. Don't get me wrong. Hogan, Orndorff, two of the biggest uh, superstars. And I was like, why are they putting them together? But now we know it's to set up the feud. And this was, uh, what was it? This was like 84, 85. This was before. It was, 80, it was 86. It was just okay. after coming out of WrestleMania 2. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, leading up, it was pretty much the setup to go into the WrestleMania 3 stuff. Um, so I got to I gotta ask you. After that, that's what happened. How'd you get that seat there in the front? How'd you get that um, seat? You know, my, uh, my, my, uh, my father was uh, also a wrestling fan, so fortunately, uh, okay, you know, we always got pretty good seats. Uh, I got ringside a bunch of times there, and yeah. uh, this was one of the coolest ones though, because you know, just where, just where was this at? Night, it's like that whole night is legendary, but the reality is that whole angle happened in one night from right. from start to finish, where, and over the course it, when it happened on TV, it was it was I think five or six weeks. Where was it at though? Where, where did you? Uh... It was the Kipsy Civic Center in. Uh, it was, it was still the Civic Center, Center in the okay. Yeah, because you can tell the crowd's a little smaller than the the arenas and all that stuff. So, yeah, just uh, just wondering why Hogan and Nordov tag tag together. It was just a weird thing, you know. Um, you know, t going to my uh, shocking heel turn. You know, I was a new fan '81. I was getting into it, like really into it. I'm talking. I had pictures all over my wall. A, a buddy of mine, Mike, who I used to go to wrestling with all the time, he showed me a way to put the pictures all together. And it was like almost like a wallpaper scene. You know what I mean? I had everything from the Vaughn Eriks to Big John Studd to Andre to Snooker to back. Me too. I love the cage <laughs> match pictures and all that. So I'm watching TV one morning. Just, you know, I'm following the Jimmy Snooker face turn you know you know it was coming i mean i was at the garden tons of times him against backland snooker against morales he was always cheered in boston they loved him and i'm going something's wrong here they're cheering the bad guy you know before it was the cool thing to do and um, i had a feeling something was coming 
And, you know, it, 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 it did. It happened. You know, they brought in Buddy Rogers. Ray Stevens was a guest. Lou Albano. There was some financial uh, dishonesty on Captain Lou Albano's behalf. You know, and then, then you had the big turn. You know, you had it right here. Uh, Buddy Rogers' corner. And then, you know, the attack with Snooker and the pile driver on the blood. The bloody cement was so graphic. Mm. Uh, I'm shocked they didn't have the sensor. The heel turn was so bad. Um, if you watch the video, um, the lady comes out of the side of the ring and, and throws something on Ray Stevens. She was immediately uh, looked at. Uh, I think it might have been a kid. But the crowd would, you know, the only a piece of rope was holding the crowd back from the scene. <laughs> Yeah. They didn't realize that the crowd was going to go nuts when, you know, Snooker busted open, all that stuff. Um, I was shocked. I must have watched that replay, you know, WOR, all that, you know, over and over again. And I was sitting there going, oh, my freaking God, Snook is going to be a good guy now. Who's he going to fight? You know, of course, Morocco comes along and does his thing. But uh, one of the things I remember, I wasn't I wasn't there, but I was collecting the wrestling magazines and I found out that Captain Lou took care of business with um, Snooker took care of business and they had a match at Madison Square Garden where yes. Albano just took a vicious beating from the Superfly. Uh, blade job galore. You can see yeah. the pictures here. He was cut bad. Um, this picture up in the upper right is you know some of the pictures I had in the scrapbook. I was so in love with uh, the Snooker-Albano connection. They just seemed to match. Especially when Snooker was a bad guy. He would come out and you know, eat Gary Michael Capetta's uh, uh, boutonniere. boutonniere all the time. Capetta would run away. It was just like he was – I remember his first match, you know, and it was like, oh, my God, who is this guy? Pat Patterson knew, obviously. And, of course, reading the wrestling magazines, you know, you find out that Snooker and uh, Stevens were a tag team in the NWA. They were champs. Buddy Rogers was mixed in there somewhere. It's like they took that act and moved it over to the WWF. And back then, no internet, all that stuff. So you're like, holy cow, what's going on here? You know, yeah. um, that was that was my uh, first encounter of a major heel turn. Benny, similar to yours, you know, you see it for the first time. You know, you, on the snooker one, you kind of knew it was going to happen, but you didn't realize the severity of the beatdown because he obviously he was out for weeks um, to, to heal up. But you guys remember that at all? Oh Absolutely. yeah, I mean, who can forget when uh, I just remember like it was yesterday. Yeah, Buddy saying, "Jimmy, you have no money," and then Jimmy, <laughs> "Buddy, will you be my manager?" And like we said before the show, they yeah. they hugged and squished the mic so you can't oh, really hear anything after that. It was a it was an emotional moment Very for emotional. any young yeah. kid to yeah. even be watching. Absolutely, yeah. and you know the thing about Snuka. Yeah. Um, I've read before, and I've seen history kind of bear it out that. Uh, when he was a heel, he was wearing heels. In other words, he had his boots on. That tended to be yeah. something he did when he was a heel. Yeah. And when he turned face, he went without the boots. So he certainly did that in WWF. But I guess throughout the career, he's he's done that before too. Yeah. Kind of a little sign. I understand that even the Iron Sheik, if I can sidetrack, did the same thing. Really? I think, uh, yeah, if he wore the long tights, I think he was going to win. And if he wore the short tights, he was going to lose or something really? like that. So sometimes they send these little signals. But with Snook, I know with the boots and the bare feet often coincided whether he was a, a face or a heel. Yeah. Iso, that was uh, a little before your time, right? <laughs> yeah, a little before my time. But, I, you know, of course, I have gone back and watched a lot of those matches. Yeah. But uh, one thing that I always heard is Jimmy Snooker was so popular after that turn that yeah. – uh, 
he didn't need a belt. He was as over as anyone else in in the uh, the WWE or yeah. at that time. I Absolutely think that's correct. actually why they turned him because I, for one, thought for sure in my you know my small age and all that being green to the sport, I really thought that Superfly Stucker was going to win the title. Everybody believed it, but when you see the finishes and all that, you're so you know the, he gets in the cage, he jumps, he misses. Backlund still wins. It's almost like, you know, almost like David and Goliath, so to speak. Because if you compare Backlund to Stucker, Stucker was just bigger, stronger. Uh, Backlund was more athletic, don't get me wrong. But Stucker was that wrestler that once he got you, it was over. You know, so, I mean, that was that, that was a huge one uh, right there. Now, moving on, we had one, 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 one that shocked me. You guys might remember Strike Force. Right oh, here, yeah. Yeah. Rick Martel, Tito Santana. This one is kind of weird because this is after Martel was AWA champion and he came back. Um, what are your thoughts on that, guys? I wrote that. What's that? I tell you what. I, the, I was. I was. What's that, Bruce? The atomizer, Bruce. The atomizer. The atomizer. The yeah. Arrog- yeah. Arrogance. Arrogance, indeed. Arrogance. Yeah. The atomizer. I was shocked because I thought to myself, there is no way that Rick Martel could ever be a good heel. Boy, did he right. prove me wrong. That was yeah. he, he did that was great as the model. Yeah, the oh, model yeah. Uh, that was yeah, a, at that point, a gorgeous George of the nineties. Yeah. I didn't know at that point he had been a former AWA champion. I was still oh, yeah. uh this was yep. I believe eighty seven. Okay. Um, yep. so I was still relatively young, just hadn't gotten exposed to it, but it it's amazing. He was quite a performer. He never he never got his due in the WWF. Well, later in his career, but in the uh, I guess in the right. earlier part of his career, he was a WWE tag champion with uh, somebody else too, wasn't he? Tony Guerrero and Rick Martel, yeah. who yes, I, he was. you know, he, you know, real quickly, not to switch topics, I do want to get to some people in the chat. Um, there's still no Hall of Fame. Nobody knows who's going in the Hall of Fame yet. Uh, this and is why kind aren't of those crazy. guys in the Hall of Fame? The, the, the two Nothing guys has been said. I don't know if this is going to be if this is even going to happen, or if it does, it's going to be. Really under the rug because we all know it's Vince McMahon's baby, even though WrestleMania is really Vince McMahon's uh, doing. But nothing for the Hall of Fame, and we're we're under fifty days, I think. Yeah, we're somewhere on that forty-nine. I mean, what are we gonna do? We're weeks away from Mania. Still, not even a rumor or anything about who's going in the Hall of Fame. You guys have a quick thought on that? Well, uh, quickly to Martel, you know, I think yeah. one thing that's germane to this is that he's really distanced himself from the business over the past several years. Oh, so yeah, yeah. maybe no one's, there. you know, maybe no one's tried to reach out or maybe people realize that's the case. They don't want to try to reach but out Tony, to him. Tony Guerrero is back on the podcast circuit, making the rounds. Okay. Uh, he, he was just on a podcast, Stewie's podcast, wrestling podcast over in Wales. I mean, Guerrero's still uh, residing in Florida now. Yeah. So he did a podcast and, you know, um, I even asked him a question when he was on the podcast too. He got in there for me and, you know, I asked him straight out, what's up with the, what's up with the hall of fame. And he flat out says, does not know why um, he's more than eligible. Martell is more than eligible compared to oh, what yeah. out there. Uh, player, you know that, right? Yeah. I mean, and no controversy. I, I yeah. mean, I've never heard of any shred of controversy with either of these guys that, you know, I mean, Gurria, who was a better tag team wrestler than Gurria yeah. in the 70s and 80s? He's, what, five-time champion with how many different parts? Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely, definitely. He could wrestle uh, with anybody. Yeah, J- yeah. And he wasn't bad, a bad singles wrestler either in, no, in, no, his, sure. in his payday. 
Right. Joe Wilson, there, the big NWA turn of 1980. Ollie Anderson turns on Dusty in the steel cage at the Omni as they oh, were yeah. climbing the cage. That's a big Oh, one. wow. Yeah. yeah. That's a good one. Um, Maria Davis, Sasha Banks, Bailey, of course. Um, then we got the greatest CWF when the American Dream, another Dusty Road, is born. Paxson. Oh, yes. Turns on Dusty Rhodes. Uh, his partner was under Playboy Gary, Gary Hart. Hart. Yeah. Uh, and of course, uh, Ja Will again. Actually, Nikita and Ivan Koloff. Maria chimed in on that one. Thank you. Uh, ja Will Road Warriors turn on Sting to give him the torture rack. Jim Ross says, My God, they broke his neck. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great one. Ja Will, you're awesome with this stuff. Uh, yeah, Joe Will, superstar Snickle War Boots in Georgia Championship Wrestling. When he was right with Gordy, yeah, yep. exactly. Uh, Joe Will, again, GCW, and he's seen with Bam Bam Gordy. Uh, Maria Davis says, Rick Martell is very handsome. Ooh la la. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he played, uh, let me see, let me uh, He was a model after all. Right, yeah. exactly. <laughs> you see, Benny Scala, Matthew, my oldest son's birthday is March 18th, also named Matthew. What's that all about? <laughs> yeah, well, Matthew Holland was saying he shared the same birthday as Rick Martell, which was yeah. March 18th. And I said, my oldest son, who also is named Matthew, is, is March 18th as well. Yep. Yeah. Marie Davis, Rick Martell is selling real estate. Who knew? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you go. Um, another one, obviously a big one to me, a big one probably to ESO, the player, Phil DeCesare. Um, Kind of never saw this coming, but, you know, money is money for Vince McMahon. Uh, Hogan Andre, uh, that is huge. WrestleMania 3. Huge. Yeah. Andre the Giant turning back weeks before. He's given Hulk Hogan a trophy and all that stuff. The jealousy starts. Heenan intervenes. Uh, another, And all this really takes place on Piper's Pit. Every week, whole- Piper's Pit was must-watch TV. You know, and of course, the ripping of the necklace, the blood, and finally Hogan says yes. That yes was so profound when, you know, Roddy Peppers, will you or will you not fight Hulk Hogan, <laughs> Andre the Giant? He goes, yes. And of course, that leads to WrestleMania 3, 90 plus thousand. Um, what do you think about that? The heel turn on Andre. Anybody see that coming? Yes. I mean, it was it, it was obvious. It was slowly brewing because when, when – uh, Hogan got that trophy, and then Andre got the smaller trophy, and Hogan came out to sure. steal the limelight, and Andre walked. When he walked away, I thought, <laughs> something's happening here. Right. And then, I mean, how how emotional was it? I mean, I'm, oh gosh, I was in my early 30s right. when uh, he walked, when Andre walked out uh, with Bobby Heenan sure. on Piper's Pit, and it's like, holy crap. Yeah. <laughs> you just didn't expect that. And, you know, but the one thing about that, so Andre's not turning heel, but yeah, what really surprised me was the, you know, Piper kind of simultaneously turning babyface and yeah. helping Hogan, who had been his arch nemesis. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah. bleeding, man. You're yeah. Bleeding, man. Yeah, right. Roddy Piper. That was a very, that was uh, a really good moment there when he said that. That's ESO, you remember that? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I was glued to the TV that at yeah. that point. You um, weren't you there. Know, you weren't there. They still weren't in Poughkeepsie. No, was, they had this is right after they switched over to the big arenas. If you notice, okay. at that time they uh, yeah. you know, they were a lot bigger. Uh, you know, instead of two to four thousand, they were up to you know thirteen, fifteen thousand people in those events. So no, right. unfortunately, uh, they didn't get to see those ones. Had to watch those on TV. But uh, that, that's that's that probably the, the end of my being a fan of faces. And right. soon after that, I became a fan of the heels. You know, it just yeah. was that era. Because I think the heels were more charismatic. That's why. Yeah, you know, absolutely. They had, they had the that Heenan act. Family they, had was, that, yep. 
the Heenan family was too cool. So. Oh God, yeah, Andre, the, yeah, Andre, Big John Stud, right? You're talking Stud. Well, the Stud left soon after. Don't forget, he because he, uh, you know, he there were was the room for the two Giants there. Right, right, right. That leads me to believe. You, so you brought up a good point. When they moved to the big arenas for TV, did you guys like that at all? I got that. To me, growing up, wrestling almost was like personal. You know, you yeah. had the little arena. Studio. Studio. I, I loved it in agri- I loved it in agricultural hall in the in the Aggie Hall in uh, yeah. in in Pennsylvania in Allentown. Allentown that Allentown, was that was yeah. my one of my favorite venues. That obviously Techwood Drive, the Georgia Studio, sure, another one, and and of course. Yeah. Uh, in Texas, of course, we have the Sportatorium. But Another that wasn't, that wasn't that huge. That was you know right. Yeah, it was whatever. subterranean actually sure. too. It was actually it went a teeny to... studio, and they got a lot done. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, watching the clips of Andre and Hogan, you could tell they were in that big arena, and the echoing. It just didn't seem personal. They had to make it personal with the camera angles. That's what it was. Yeah, well, when they, when they as a got, kid, as a kid that, I was. I didn't even. I never even thought of that, but I was so enamored at that point because the production value got so much better when it came to the TV show. You had right. at that point. That's when the Snake Pit came out, and the soon after that the Barber Shop. But uh, but just in general, the way the the productions were, they were a lot more fluid in, uh, at that point. Whereas yeah. now I look back, no, I miss it because for the previous five years I was getting to see amazing shows in this little you know, rinky dink arena in sure. uh, in Poughkeepsie, yeah. New York. Yeah, and I and I have a feeling when uh, Vince went to that big arena type thing, well, you know, major arenas was ba- basically money. You know, he's putting butts in seats, he's putting more butts in seats, and he's having a television program at the same time. Yeah, you know, well, he was yeah. also still throwing all those little small towns, but instead of getting yeah. you know ten matches, fifteen matches, we'd yeah. have this small rinky dink card with, you know, yeah. uh, just above Jobber facing right. a. a, a yeah. A, a great wrestler, and then you'd end up with a main event, which would be uh, S.T. Jones versus Johnny Rods, Billy Jack Haynes. <laughs> yeah, no, I hear you, uh, Phil. What were you gonna say? I was gonna say it was such different times too, and I remember in the mid to late eighties, yeah. going, you know, particularly to some Worcester tapings sure. where they would yeah. do three weeks worth of programming in one night, yeah. and at the end of the night, what I marveled at is compared to now, yeah. I don't want to say security was lax, but I was able to walk over. Yeah. Step over a railing sure. and go up to Vince and Bruno and Jesse, you know, and it's right like, there. yeah, <laughs> it, amazing. And I was able to do that. And it, and it was nothing like today. Oh, you you couldn't even time, think yeah. of doing that. That's how today. the era was back then. Yeah. Walk right up. I mean, there was no, I mean, the old Boston Garden was like that. I mean, it was so intimate that even during other sporting events like hockey, they had to put a net. Yes, the old net because of all the bottles and everything. That was the Chris Nyland net, they call it, because he would fight every night. The guy's from Massachusetts, Charlestown, Mass. He's he's playing for for the enemy, and he's beating the shit out of these guys because he's the enforcer. And, you know, a few times – I went to every single Montreal uh, Bruins game from 86 to – actually from 85 to 87. And, you know, Jay Miller days, all that stuff, they would fight. Jay Miller, yeah. They would fight in pre-warm-ups. But when Nyland would get ejected or go in the locker room, they were literally throwing whatever they could at him. Yeah. And he complained and all that. So they made that net. They called it the Nyland net. Yeah. You know, and they made use of it too, not just for Chris Nyland, but for everybody else. You know, things are different now. You know, they don't sell cans or bottles or anything. Everything's paper or plastic. But yeah, yeah. that was a big one, you know. But just to back to the big arena, it just wasn't intimate anymore. 
Yeah. Like you were watching a major event every week and you lost the intimacy and all that. So um, anyway, Maria, that's a great point about the security because I I didn't even think about it, but they used to, uh, I remember all the kids used to run up to like the flower shop was filmed on a stage and and Piper's Pit was filmed on a stage. Yeah. They would all run up to the edge. And yep. with their autograph books, and as soon as they were done filming, everybody would would sign their stuff. They got you know Bruno yeah. and oh, uh, Gorilla Monsoon wasn't really doing it. it was uh, Alfred Hayes? Yeah, uh, Alfred Hayes. Uh, Vince was up there. Uh, yeah, but I it, they would do, and then they would just. I never thought to do it. I was didn't think. I wish I would have at that point, but. Uh, <laughs> They were Marie, so approachable back then. Yeah, that's that's the right word, approachable. Yeah, Maria yeah. Davis, our great fan, Maria Davis. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Love you, Maria. Remember, remember, there would be no Shawn Michaels if it wasn't for Marty Jannetty. Oh, we uh, talked about you know the kick around the world. There they are, tag champs, the Rockers. You know they had it going on. These guys were a good, solid tag team, and obviously they, you know, it is Shawn Michaels was the. Uh, the charismatic one, you know, for the heel turn. And there's the super kick hurt around the world. And of course the glass going through the glass and so forth. And now yeah. the black leather jacket t- told it all, like something big was going to happen. You know, it is, is there a problem with the rockers? I don't think so. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, here we are, you know, the birth of the hot break kid. Yeah. And it you know, is. it's interesting when they were in the AWA, yeah. I don't think that, you know, it wasn't a, obvious or apparent that sean was sean as he is now or as he came to be you know without that influence and maybe that little push from management but uh back then marty it was equally charismatic and many would say and i too at least from what i saw in those old awa from vegas uh matches marty was if equal if not a little bit better at the time in ring than sean i would, I would, I would say. totally agree with that yeah Absolutely. he was he's an incredible the worker rockers. the midnight yeah. rockers were the team back then Absolutely. Like i used to come home 4 p.m on espn turn yeah. on awa wrestling and watch them against buddy rose and doug summers there that was you, um yeah in, in michael uh Shawn michaels hvk um autobiography back in the uh I think it was the 2000s that came out. They were all writing their own books back then, The Rock, Mankind. And I read every single one of them. In the book with Shawn Michaels, this was a very tough time for him. He felt like he was on the verge of getting that big break in AWA. You could tell Vern Gagne, I don't want to say holding him back. I just think that he didn't he didn't have the promoting expertise, per se, to you know excel Shawn Michaels. You know what I mean? The heel turn in AWA, I don't think it would never have happened. Because I no. think Vern, Vern appreciated that style of tag team wrestling and, it, you know, was putting butts in seats. And he probably didn't want to mess with that at all because, you know, back then the AWA was kind of folding. You know, those are the what, those are the days that you turn on ESPN at the, the Las Vegas ballroom, right? They filmed those at the shows. show at the showboat. Yeah, the they're showboat, at the showboat. Yeah, Las Vegas, right? Yeah, in like, Vegas. I used to turn it on and be like, wow, they're actually in like a ballroom. You know, filming this, so you know, I mean, it was a good, good. It was thing a good vocal her. crowd, absolutely. Yeah, so, you know, it it almost looks similar to maybe the WWE back in the late seventies, early seventies. You know, that type of crowd, but you know, the heel turn. Vince was, I mean, that's a good call. That was the birth of the Heartbreak Kid, and I think in the autobiography it says that he was itching for that, and um, yeah, to, to calm him, he, he had a I temper too. 
Yeah. That he yeah. did. Shawn Michaels never really wanted to be a, a tag team wrestler. No, no. He he said from the beginning, you know, he had to do what he had to do to get to where he was. But, you know, he was very hard on, on, on himself. He wanted to succeed more, be bigger, better than what was going on. And that's where the uh, the influence of um, his demons kicked in, you know, to calm himself down. He had a very, he had an anger problem to begin with. Yeah. Um, he had problems in hotels. He had problems with hotel. You know. Airport. Oh yeah. He had just he just had that. And problems with himself, Marines. And to calm himself <laughs> yeah. down, he had to um, you know partake in whatever he partakes. Self medicate. Yeah. Self medicate, and you know during the HPK, the heartbreak. You can tell when he turned into the art HPK. That was meant for him. He was the man on top, and so forth. Yeah, uh, and, he, yeah. and you know, the and, and Marty, uh, Marty, by contrast, was a fun-loving, lucky, you know, yeah. just kind of a you know a free spirit, kind yeah. of freewheeling and dealing, just you know. And he is today still, but yeah, he, you know. I, I have a question. I mean, I, yes. I know you can't speak a lot of it on there, but I know you. Uh, we've all been. We haven't. We're all friends with Marty yeah. personally, and. Uh, you know, for a few weeks, none of us had heard from him and everything. But I know you had a chance to get a get get some updates from him the other day. Yeah, is there anything you can uh, you let uh, let uh, everybody know? <laughs> from, from what I remember, it was for me. It was a late at night he called, and uh, he was uh, he was in good spirits. And you know, he sounded pretty good. He did uh, as far as spirits. We didn't delve into his uh, physical condition at the time, but he was there and he was hanging out. And one of his ladies was in the background and. He was keeping her awake at night. She had to go to work, and here he is talking to me on the phone and yelling at her. And uh, <laughs> but he uh, he seemed in really good spirits, so I was very happy. So we had a probably nice half hour conversation about everything. And uh, nice. so he didn't say anything um, negative in, with respect to his foot. I didn't want to pry too much about it, but uh, he seemed like he was on the mend somewhat, at least nice. at least uh, psychologically, at least spiritually. He seemed to. Like he was on the men. So when I hung yeah. up with him, I, I felt pretty good about, you know, about, about it too. So yeah, I, I it was nice to, to hear briefly. from him. I, I talked to him briefly last week too. And uh, the culmination was, I think I pissed off his, his agent Savage. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's all right. Oh, I, I, hey, listen, I just told the truth. That was it. <laughs> it's all good. It's I all see, good. I see everybody's mentioning uh, the David Schultz. Uh, thing with today is the 39th anniversary of David Shelton, the John Stossel punch. Did slap. anyone watch it live? Uh, I watched yeah. it live. Yeah, I have to admit, you, you know, I, but yeah. honestly, the David Schultz that they're talking about in the right chat there. room is the is the other David Schultz, the hockey player from yes. the uh, Philadelphia Flyers. And we were talking about Clark Gillies, who uh, played Clark left wing in the Islanders oh, wow. during their dynasty years. And Clark Gillies was a guy that you did not mess with. And I remember when they were playing in the Stanley Cup, I think it was semifinals. Right. And Schultz, you know, Schultz was a bully. And he tried to bully Clark Gillies. And Clark Gillies, he, he literally knocked him out cold with one punch. Oh, and he held sure. him up, you know, kind of like a, like a wrestling deal. Held him yeah. up and drilled him a couple more times. And he just let him drop to the ice. It was one oh, of the yeah. best hockey fights I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. He was, he was quite a brawler. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, yeah. on the... On the topic, real quick, of, of, of hockey uh, brawlers, uh, sure. this week, uh, a man who is an actor, and he uh, Paul, his name is Paul D'Amato from Worcester, Massachusetts. Oh, D'Amato, yeah. Yes, yeah. passed away, sadly, at age 76. Really? He oh. was known for being in a number of movies, not the least of which he played um, 
Tim Dr. Hook McCracken in, as you recall, the hockey comedy from 1977, Slapshot. And, oh, uh, yeah, great movie. And, uh, oh, yeah. Henry Han, your wife's a lesbian. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so another great brawler, uh, at least on screen, gone in yeah, 76. Thir- 39 years ago today, this happened. John Stott, uh, yeah. oof, I saw wild. it live. I was staying yeah. up for it beyond my bedtime, I that dare was, say. That was 2020. I remember that. I remember that. Yeah, um, he got hit. It actually hit him twice. Yes. You no, know, and then you know Fuji and Fu- came Fuji out in the background, right? Oh, look at now. It's come to it's come to modern day here. You know, just like when you're figuring out who shot JFK was. You know, now we know it was the CIA, but back then they wanted us to believe it was uh, John Inc. Oh, um, I'm sorry, the other dude there, whoever shot him there, uh, Lee Harvey Oswald. Yeah. Um, okay. So we're we're led to believe that now we're we're hearing that. David Schultz was told by Vince to do that and that he would compensate him whatever happened. And eventually Stossel did sue the WWF back then. Yeah, he settled out of court for like $400,000. Yes, which, he did. Which in that time, 400 grand was pretty, that's a lot that of money. Jack. Oh, yeah. yeah didn't Schultz get fired shortly after that? Yes. Yeah, but I think he was fired for something, something else, else, right? There was something else. He was hired. A, a, a confrontation with Mr. T, I think, in yeah, L.A. Yeah, something, something happened. He was a great worker. I seen him at the Garden against Hogan, who was one of Hogan's first title defenses. Um, I think I shared that on Facebook a few a few months ago on Saturday night because uh, Hogan won the title in January of 84. We didn't see him in February, but we saw him in, 80, uh, in March. And I think it was March 17th. Uh, yeah. He took on Dr. D, and that was a great match, even though they've worked together in the AWA uh, for yeah. many years. But, yeah, 39 years ago today, right there, boom, John Sosmo gets uh, wow. it, Fuji in the background. And around the world. I saw Funny, Schultz man. live in my hometown at, at the town hall, no less, at a little wrestling card against Tito Santana. Tito, and the Invaders wrestled, oh, yeah. of course. Oh, wow. And we know what happened, you know, with one of the Invaders there, yeah. you know, and – what went on from there but yeah yeah i saw, I saw big john stud had a match at the cape cod coliseum he, it was him and somebody else to take on um the mass invaders and somebody no showed so big john said i'll take them both on and uh the invaders did their thing and i don't know what happened but big john stud slammed into the table by the mass invaders he came up so bloody Big wow. John Studd. It was uncharacteristic for him to bleed like that. Again, right. especially at the Cape Cod Coliseum yeah. and the Masked Invaders, you know. So you knew that maybe a little real action took place. But yeah. he, I had front row seats because Cape Cod Coliseum was awesome to go to in the middle of summer. They had like the, B, yeah. they had B cards, like the Cape Cod Melody Tent stuff. Like I, that. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. And the yeah. South Shore Music Circus with the yep. revolving stage. Yep. The Cape Cod, that was one of Vince's first arenas, you yeah, know. Yeah. That's the one. That, that and, uh, and up yeah. in Bangor as well. He had a few clubs, yep. a few a few arenas that he ran as a way to kind of get involved in the business right. and see if you could cut yeah, it. That, yeah. That was his um, birthing there, rite of passage. To yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. his father didn't, I don't know if his father tried, maybe his father knew 50 years later what was going to happen. I don't know. <laughs> no, the, they actually lived in Cape Cod for a while, the McMahons. Yep. Yes, yeah. they did. Yes, they did. Yeah. But um, get back to SO. You remember this one because you told me to put it up here. And I forgot about this, to be honest with you. But it was the uh, Stone Cold joining Vince McMahon. Uh, Turns his back on the fans. Yeah, black. He's got the black shorts on and the black wristbands, and he shakes his hand. And 
you just didn't think this was going to happen. But again, Vintrick Van running the show says, let's try it. Uh, what are your thoughts? Was was the Stone Cold thing wearing itself out? They had to make a change. Well, what do you think? Reality about is, that? long range, it didn't work out because even even though they wanted you to boo him, everybody was going to still cheer him. Every time he stoned somebody, they still cheered. You know, yeah. It didn't matter at that point. Yeah, I don't know what it was, Benny. What do you think about that? Why did why did uh, they turn Stone Cold? I totally back? agree with Bruce. He's one of these guys. Like when they try to turn Sting heel. In yeah. uh, WCW, you just couldn't do it. He was too too over. Yeah, and it, Stone Cold was never going to be a heel, no matter how hard they try to, to turn him. Why do you? Why do you he think was that the first cool heel? Well, yeah. actually, I think the Macho Man might have been. But what do you what do you, what do you think about that? What, what's the mentality? Like this is probably a question of a Vince Russo because he's been back there. What's the mentality of turning somebody who's so damn popular heel? What, what's the psych eval with that? Like what what's the reasoning behind that? Does everybody know? Well, it's to build up the the uh, the hot baby face to the next level. When you have the hottest heel, and you know the, when you have the when you have a hot face that turns right. heel, you know they're getting the major major boos in the past. Look at what happened to Andre. Andre was uh, public enemy number one when he turned on Hogan, and uh, before that, uh, Andre was the most beloved character in the world. Right, but I, I think when Andre turned, I wasn't fully convinced it was a heel turn i you know i knew it was obviously for money because it was the biggest wrestlemania at the time you know filling the uh, Sil- uh the pontiac silver dome 90 with ninety three thousand plus you know to see andre slam i mean to see hogan slam andre you, i just didn't fall in line with the i'm gonna hate andre the giant type thing i'm not gonna boo him. if i was there and saw him as a heel i wouldn't boo him benny would you boo uh Andre, if you saw no, him when he was the heel, honestly, and I, I thought this like I thought, okay, so he's going to turn heel, yeah. and he's going to pass the torch to Hogan, sure, and after that, then he's going to become a babyface again. I thought it was a very temporary thing. I was yeah. actually very shocked that he remained as a heel. I was very surprised. Right. Yeah, I, I just didn't like. I, I enjoyed he was so it. Beloved. I, you know, I it was eighty-seven. I was 16, 17 years old. You know, figuring out what was happening. I still love the sport because I do love the action. I do love the the characters and so forth. But to see Andre turn heel, especially with his health, was obviously we know now that he was in severe pain when he wrestled um, Andre. I mean, when he wrestled, excuse me, when he wrestled Hogan at the Silverdome, he had a back brace on. He could barely move. Half the match, he was on the floor anyways or on, or on the ring. Uh, the infamous, you know, Hogan landing on Andre and they, the referee counted to three, but he made yeah. the crowd believe, no, it was two. He raised up two. Yeah. And I'm sitting there going, okay, obviously passing of the torch type situation. Um, but the body slam was coming to slam hurt around the world. Yet, you know, it almost felt like you felt bad for Andre at that point because I grew up the Killer Khan uh, matches you know, the big John stud matches. He, Andre was supposed to be larger than life, undefeated and loved by everybody. And yeah, they did the heel turn, but I just felt bad for him because I knew he, I knew right then that that was the end of Andre, even though he carried on a couple more years and so forth. Um, yeah, here, here's my, did he have surgery after that? Because he was, he had the matches at WrestleMania four after that. Then yeah. he had that feud with, uh, with ultimate warrior where he got slammed virtually every day. Right. And then after that was when uh, when he and Haku ended up getting the titles, and uh, he never even came into the ring at that point. Yeah, I don't know. Benny, what do you think of that? 
I, you know, <laughs> Bruce just said, reminded me of something though. When he, it was so horrible in my opinion. This is Andre the Giant, the guy who was quote unquote undefeated, which really he wasn't, but right. you know, he was sold as being undefeated for 15 years. Now he's dropping uh, 30 second matches night after night to the Ultimate Warrior. I just, I just thought it was a, you know, it was a bad, you know, a tarnish to his legacy. Yeah. Uh, Joe Will chimed in and said, highly racist slam of Andre was more, impre- more impressive than Hogan's. What do you think of that? Do you guys remember that? I think that was before. I, I, I agree. I did yeah, see I agree. that. I think in, in fairness, I think Andre was a little bit lighter when, when Harley slammed him. Or more more agile to make the slam. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. I mean, to me, I think the WrestleMania 3, maybe WrestleMania 4, and you know, I think he was just out of gas at that point. He probably was taking a lot of painkillers. I mean, he was Andre the Giant. It took. A I don't know time. that he did, Joe. I think again, no. alcohol was his panacea. I think yeah. Andre abhorred drugs. He absolutely okay. hate, hated drugs. Yep. And anyone taking them, so. 128 cans of Coors Light. That was his drug, and, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I mean, obviously, he must have been drinking a hell of a lot because I mean, you could tell his health was deteriorating after WrestleMania three. It slowly he got slower. He got, uh, you could see it in his face. He looked more tired. You know that type of thing. I mean, I just saw a picture of him. He didn't I, live much longer after that. What six seven? No, he years? went, over, he went he to WCW. Young. He went to WCW. Shockingly, at ESO. That's your era, right? When Andre went over to WCW for. I, for I don't little, remember Andre ever going over it there. It was the quicker, and they had this. They had this huge pay per view. I want to say Bruno San Martino. Bruno, yes, yes, yeah. It was a Correct. celebration of wrestling yes. on TBS, you yep. know. And Tony uh, was there. They were yeah. all there. And there's a picture of Andre. He's got a cane. Yeah, he looks so. You know, he wasn't going to wrestle again. Um, but no. somebody said that was one of the last pictures of him because he died in '94. '93. '93. January. January of '93. Yeah. So that might have been '92 somewhere around there. He was only in his 40s. I mean, it's crazy. 46. Yeah, he yeah. was old. He knew he was going to die. He knew. He knew he oh, didn't have long to live. Career. I mean, I. They predicted 40 originally. Yeah. He out, he outdid it. The prediction. And mm-hmm. it was shortly thereafter they, they found that drug that can control that. Uh, case in point, the big show started taking it to slow, yeah. his, to slow his giantism down. Joe, when he went to Beth Israel to have his ankle fixed, to surg- had to have his surgery, they, they told him then that yeah. they could do something for it. And he actually was scared that he would lose his size, his... Yep all the stuff that made him unique and special, his fear was that somehow maybe his condition could be reversed. And, you know, it was really a a conflict for him. He wanted to live a normal life, be able to sit in a movie theater and do all that and have no one stare at him. Yet he loved the life he was living because he was so unique, you know? But uh, I I think he had the option back in 81. And, of course, like you say, the drugs did advance and maybe there could have been other ways. But, uh, yeah, sad, sad. It was an acromed, acromegaly? acromegaly, acromeglia. Yeah. John Will chimed in with that so far. Yeah, that that I mean, to me, I think he knew his life was short, so obviously he lived like every day was his last. Oh yeah, uh, you know, uh, reading awake for days at a time. Oh, yeah. oh my god. Oh yeah. oh yeah. Um, the other one I had I totally forgot about. Hold on one second. Was uh the the other biggest heel turn that we haven't talked about? This is uh, Bruce's era, right here. The uh, Hogan NWO. <laughs> That was huge. <laughs> come on. We didn't even talk about that. Hogan, everyone thought Hogan was going to come out and help Macho Man and all that stuff. And he ends up giving him the big leg drop and boom. 
Eric Bischoff turned Hulk Hogan heel and it turned into like the, the NWO was born and my God, what a, what a call that was to, to make that, to te- for that to take place. Did you guys can you really, can you you really call that a heel turn? Because the NWO was probably one of the most popular factions ever. And uh, I, but, I don't but think many people were, were booing Hogan. A yeah, cool but, heel turn. Well, they it was, was, they, that they, night, yes, but after they, that, yeah. no. <laughs> Yeah, they were doing stuff that night because that ring was littered with nothing but yeah. Uh, that night they were pissed. <laughs> That's they so were true. Like, oh, yeah, hopefully, Mean Gene got combat. He was telling them to stop doing. It. Please stop, stop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but then the fans realized all the all of a sudden we got three cool heels, and you know, <laughs> became it became cool to be an NWO member, and that shirt uh, outside of Stone Cold's three sixteen, that's probably the the second best selling shirt ever. Roger F got a good Roger F, Roger, F has, Roger F has a great joke joke in the chat. The doctor told me I had two years to live, and I said, Doc, I can't pay you in that time. So he gave me two more years. <laughs> I love that joke. Nice. Good one, Roger. Yeah. Thanks for chatting in. Good one. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> so awesome. we we would be journalistically remiss, though. I I, I think, in my opinion, sure. this was the biggest heel turn in the history of wrestling. Okay. And that was the Montreal screw job, which led to the creation of Mr. McMahon. Right. Right. But we didn't know that at that time. You know, it was all centered on Bret Hart leaving and all that. And then we got the interview, Bret screwed Bret. Um, I think we learned, I would say a a week or two later that, okay, Vince is getting a lot of TV time. It's centered around Vince now because the Bret Hart thing kind of faded. He's back in, he was in WCW. And then, yeah, we did, like Benny said, we did get the Mr. McMahon character, but don't you feel like we didn't know it at that time? We we still thinking that Vince was the the boss of WWE. No, the, the night of you kind yeah. of thought you almost thought Vince was the victim there, but yeah. I mean, I was well, shocked. The, I, the I, Canadian I, fans were they they were they're more smart marks than the American fans were at that yeah, point. Yeah, and it, it you know I I think we've come to learn that it was a it was a work it was a major work um, because they did it in Canada. Um, they they knew that Brett was leaving. We know now that it was kind of, the screw job was uh, a work, even though they made it look like it wasn't a work. I mean, the, the talk now is they knew. You know, you had cameras in the locker room watching them talk. You know, the key, I don't know if everybody's seen those videos yeah, of behind the. Uh, you know, the where, where, did where, you know what was going on? Brett and Sean was like, I had no idea. I had no idea. You know what I mean? So behind the mat was documenting it, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 Beyond the mat, beyond the mat, yeah. beyond the mat. I think it was the great. It was an awesome. It was awesome to watch because you. I mean, if we all remember, um, he was out there because of what happened years before with um, uh, Alunder Blaze throwing the title away. He didn't want that to happen. He had that in the back of his head, so he went out there. All his stooges were out there: Briscoe, Slaughter, everybody, and they were just circling the ring. And I'm like, what is going on? And, and Vince is telling them. Because I think they started brawling outside the ring. Vince told them two to get back in the ring, so the pin could happen, the finish, and they had to get the hell out of there. Mm-hmm. And I think Shawn Michaels didn't know what was going on, so he was like, "I'm not going back in the ring." And Vince was yelling at him. Triple H, I think, was there too because Triple H was in the, you know ringside. Yeah, it was like the weirdest moment. Player, what do you think? Were you, you remember that when that happened? Yeah, yeah. I mean it. I still to this day like it's just I, I I waffle in my head. Was it you know was it was it a work or was it a shoot? I still I still have made a determination. 
every yeah. day I feel I feel differently. I think I, I think it's I think it's the biggest work. I think I think the rock the rock situation right now big time work. Big that's time a work. Yeah, that's absolutely. I, I, yes. I honestly feel when Cody stepped aside and said the rock and they hugged each other. I I said that hug's gonna go. That hug's gonna come back to that hug will be shown after uh, WrestleMania as the as when it went down. When, hey, yeah. I want to point out something. Last week on SmackDown, speaking of noticing things, and yeah. I don't know if you guys did, or I don't know that anyone said this, but yeah. last week at the end, when the Bloodline held up their fingers and hands in acknowledgement, oh, yeah. right? One thing was different. Yep. The Rock yeah. had his thumb out, and I, I said that to Mike, too. Yeah. The Rock had his thumb out. Yeah, yeah. what was with yeah. that? I don't know. Whether he's pointing to himself as far as being the chief, yeah, or doing a loser to Roman. I don't know what it was. Yeah, but it was something. So yeah, I, I know you know. Yeah, I know you're not on Facebook, Phil, but I put that out at like six in the morning the next day. Oh, did you? I, I noticed it right away. I yeah. know the dirt sheets noticed it, but I'm like, did they? You know, it's the signs. You know, he put it up for a reason like that. You yeah, know, it was, one. Yeah, it was not an accident. It, it, yeah, there it, was it, a reason for it right. for sure. Yeah. And I honestly think tomorrow. Um, well, I'll, I'll let. What do we? Nine hours away, I'll be up watching the watching Elimination Chamber. I think The Rock will be there. I honestly, think I do too. Oh you're yeah, you're not going all the way to Australia on the road to WrestleMania and not have The Rock in Roman Reigns. I I think Roman Reigns might be there as well because you're not having the stupid Grayson Waller effect, but Rhodes and uh, Rollins without something happening. Well, we were promised surprises, right? And I yes, I, we I have to believe. We're not going to really see many surprises in the actual in-ring action. No. I think this is the surprises are going to be what happens outside the ring. Yeah, Undertaker's there. We all saw that video. Um, so you know that. And, and I don't know if anybody did see Bruce. Did you see the video of the Undertaker getting out of the airport? No. Yeah, I saw a he, picture of him standing with Triple H and yeah. uh, and uh, Randy Orton. Yeah, they got a video of him and um, I think it's. Um, Oh God, I forget who it was. They they're going to get their luggage. They got to. He looks in phenomenal shape. He looks really, really good. And I think that's one of the surprises for Australia. And I honestly think if this goes well for the Undertaker, something's happening at WrestleMania. So it's you know bringing in the Undertaker to appease the casual fan again. Oh yeah, at WWE. This is where, as good as WWE is, is where the premium live events to me are kind of lacking. They're yep. not for the wrestling fan anymore. They're for the casual fan. And the right. week-to-week wrestling is just right now, it, it's good and it's well-written, but it's just leading up to these premium live events. How right. many of these How many of these matches are going to have a sponsor to them? Yeah. My, my big thing is, um, of course, I'm going to, just to let everybody know, I'm going live after the event. Uh, most likely now, if, I, if they have a press event, I'll go live after the press event with that. Um, real quickly, does anybody think that some a, a reporter over in Australia or if the, some of the other guys are flying over, do you think they're going to bring up the lawsuit or the Ashley Mazzaro incident? Zero chance. Right, I'm with you, Bruce. Zero, right? You yeah, don't think you don't think anybody over there is going to mention the Triple H? Oh, do, were you no. aware that your wife was in the room when Ashley Mazzaro was um, telling her story? And all, I mean, not you know, a chance. They've been so careful on the Australian media this yeah. past, you know, since they've been there. They, yeah. uh, yeah, you know, if I mean, I'm slightly controversial would have come out, it would have already yeah. been out. Yeah, I'll yeah, be, I'll be done uh, the talk show circuit. Um, 
you know, the, the we know that those press really press boards are all fake anyway. So right, yeah, right. The, the whole Grayson Waller thing with the uh, journalists there, you know, yeah. who um, who said something, uh, the illusion that wrestling was fake or something, and right. Grayson yeah. Waller was indignant, ready to fight, and all that. I think that's the extent of the. Uh, Press controversy we're going to well, see down Austin, there. Austin Theory had a, a issue with a journalist over there. That's what I meant. Austin Theory, yeah. not Grayson Waller. It yeah. was Austin Theory. I think, yeah. he was, I think he was with Grayson Waller. I think Grayson was there as well. Yeah, they had to be separated and stuff yeah. like that. So um, I just think that's it. Um, Playa, I know we're running out of time here, but we're pretty much out of time. So real quickly, um, any thoughts? One thing that you think might happen in Perth, Australia tomorrow or later tonight? <laughs> Well, yeah, actually, what in seven hours? I think. Yeah, I'll be up. I don't think I'm going to bed. <laughs> oh, come on, Joe! I get up that early, and I always go to I'm, bed. No, I am up that early, so I know you are. That's Wait, a tough you, one. I mean, I think the one matches. Thing, one we, you thing know, we you, talked about the you know it, yeah. uh, on the thirty how what we thought was going to happen. I think the I don't think the the card itself is going to really have any surprises. I think we're going to be able to easily pick out that you know it's, it's Becky Lynch. It's uh, it's just uh, give me one moment right now, real quickly. What do you think? Oh, I know, I know one thing. One thing, uh, I don't, uh, anything. A giant kangaroo is going to hop down into the ring, and Stone Cold's going to come out of the pouch with the Foster's beer, crack it open, and with a run in by the gobbledygooker. There you go. Something with the, I'm going to say something with the Undertaker. I I don't know what. Phil, what do you think? One, one thing that's going to happen tomorrow night. I this keep morning. thinking there's going to be a kangaroo involved, but uh, maybe not. Uh, we, but I do think Stone Cold could very track. well ma- make an appearance. You think Stone Cold's secretly over there right now? Yeah, I don't know that he's ever been down there on pay per view, and I don't you know. know, much like the Saudi audience, I'm sure the Australian audience craves you know sure. some uh, live some superstars of the past. You know, some of these larger okay. than life names. So yeah, why not? I think it's going to be a big deal. I do, Bruce. What do you got? One one moment you think is going to happen mm-hmm. this morning. How about a, how about a special promo from Brock Lesnar? <laughs> really? Come on, be serious. No. You think that's going to happen? No, or no, the, no. I think depends, he's a number. Um, honestly, I, I think we've discussed a lot. Of, I don't think there's going to be any major surprises. If it's going to be a surprise, it's going to be the rock and something with the Rock and Roman yeah, angle. That's what I think. Um, outside of that, there's really not. You can't bring anybody in. There, there's not that hot free agent right now. Yeah. Um, maybe Alexa Bliss come back. Oh, there you go. There you go. No, that's good. I can see it. I, some, you know, Raquel Gonzalez gets hurt flying over and can't make it, you know, cause she's got, she had that crazy skin disease or whatever. Yeah. Um, maybe something like my, my, my surprises. I think definitely the rock and Roman Reigns is there are there. I don't think you go 20 hours. You fly 20 hours for a premium live event. Some, you know, what are we six, seven weeks? Not even that now. Uh, to re- March, March got 31 days. Yeah, we're, f- I'll say, five weeks away from WrestleMania. X amount of shows to promote this. They're all the way down in Australia. And the card is very bleak, if you ask me, when you look at it. I know they've got the yeah. chamber matches. You know, they had to show, they had to throw in a pre show match. Uh, Indy Hartwell and Candice LeRae are now going to fight the Kabuki Warriors for the tag titles on the pre show. So there's one match they had to add. Uh, will they add another one? I don't know, but I honestly feel you don't do this to the Australian crowd. Have this Grayson Waller effect with the main characters, so to speak, Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins there, without some type of major surprise. And don't give me John Cena. 
that's one thing I, I'm afraid. No, of. No. You know, don't give me this. You know, I don't want to be up at 4 a.m. to see this. Uh, maybe his uh, maybe his dad him. pitching his uh, Johnny Fabo hot sauce. Yeah, Johnny Fabo. John, John Cena barbecued ribs. That's like a tundra. Or for for an international card, does yeah. this not seem like a little bit like kind of thrown together and? I mean, kind of missing something. It's very short. I, I think the card is short because the highlight is going to be the chamber because the winner fights Rollins and, you know, all that thing for the men's. And the women's, I think, I think that's where we're going to see the craziness. Yeah, everyone's predicting Becky Lynch. But, if I mean, you throw Lynch out there. I mean, this Nia Jax match with Rhea Ripley, um, you're not, she's not losing the title in Australia. I mean, that'll just, I mean... If she does, I'm going to be totally shocked. But I think I, I didn't realize Nia is also from Australia. So really, yeah, no, sir. Nia Jax. She was born in Australia. I was very really? surprised to find out that she's Samoan. Okay, so that's but that's an interesting angle, Bruce. That's a very interesting angle, man. Like I said on the thirty, I see a disqualification, something like that, where it just you know you're going to get the three way at Mania or another match on TV that says, okay, we're going to fight Rhea Ripley. Um, but I, I feel a three-way coming if Becky Lynch wins the chamber. I would love to see an upset over there, like Liv Morgan. Um, she's, you know, she, all of a sudden she's all over the place talking about 2024 is going to be my year. You know, you get in that vibe where they're dropping hints of Liv Morgan here. I don't know if it's on purpose or whatever, but that'd be a great upset. Something like Real, that. Liv Morgan is very, very crossover. She's very involved in all kinds of podcasts and, and right. TV shows and yep. stuff like that. So she's got that crossover appeal. Yeah. I, I feel something like that might have, but like I said, my big thing is going to be the rock uh, showing up. Maybe Roman Reigns, but I th- I'd love to see both. I, I see how you cannot have both uh, if The Rock shows up. And he put that tweet out the other day, that comment. Um, if they mention my name or, or talk smack, I'm going to come down there and smack them. Yeah. So you know that's a hint that he's down there. He's probably flying right now. He's probably going to get in there on a secret shuttle bus and all that stuff. They'll hide them until it's time. And I think that's what's going to happen. I mean, because I think the card is very weak. And it, uh, it's also what it will also determine this. I don't mean to be talking so much. What what it also will determine is where they place the Grayson Waller effect, first, middle, last on the card, because that will have a lot to do with the chamber. So if we get Grayson Waller effect before the men's chamber and the, all the hoopla that surrounds that, something's going to happen to the chamber match. Whether the Rock destroys somebody in there, or Roman Reigns stops somebody from winning, something. But if the Grayson Waller effect is last, then we're gonna get you know a Cody Rhodes Seth Rollins confrontation with the Rock and Roman Reigns to possibly set up a tag match on the first night of WrestleMania. What do you guys think, real quick? You know, as far as uh, surprise appearances and other people showing up, I, I'm trying to look right now, and I never thought to look to see where Raw is emanating from uh, this week. Are they back oh. in the States? Are they down there? That's a good, oh, that's a good point. Because that idea. could really determine how many more people we're going to see. You know, see, hold, Let me look that up right there. I'll find out. You go ahead. Keep going. But uh, my, my thought is... Back in the that, States, though, and uh, I think that's probably why they have so few... Uh, Few people out there. Okay, all right. Yeah, that that's interesting too. Yeah, hmm. very interesting. So maybe we won't see everybody. You know, maybe we uh, won't see Roman after all. Ra- Ra- Ra is at the San Jose. They're back in California. Mighty okay, 
so that makes sense because they can fly into uh they can fly right in in well at least somewhat local well they got a meet and greet in san jose at 9 a.m so they're they're getting off the plane and doing something or or it's going to be somebody else you know what i mean Mm. um so but the monday night raw san jose california at the sap center for that okay how far is australia from uh from like lax yeah, so I, I predict a, pres- a quick press conference presser after that. I mean, the presser is usually to highlight uh, what happened in the chamber. You know, it'll be Rhea Ripley, her title thing. You know, you'll get two or three, and I'm sure whatever happens on the Grayson Waller effect, maybe The Rock will show up. But they're, they're half that crew's probably jumping on a plane heading back to Raw in San Jose, where they'll literally probably get off the plane, and, you know, that's that. Well, I predict we won't hear about any bad behavior on the flight back. There won't be a a a plane ride from hell part two or anything like that. I think we think everyone's learned from their mistakes. No, no uh, woo energy drinks. Nope. (laughs) No, no, they will not fit a helicopter on the airplane. I don't think. I'm sure I'm looking at the middle of a conversation, but Joe Myers chimes in and says Chris Jericho crashes crashes the stage playing Did Garidu. Dig to redo. I don't know. Is that a song? Uh, no, that's a that's an instrument. Okay, so like, uh, that's a, a, that's an Australian uh, Aboriginal yeah, instrument. Big long Didger- time. That Didger- uh, What is it? A Didgeroo. Didgeroo. Yeah, there's like a hole, and you like hum through it, and it <laughs> yeah, it's something that's for the Aboriginals, I, I think, play. And uh, so, yeah, well, uh, Jericho is on tour, so she Joe, she might yeah, be right. That's right. You're on the list. You're, you're on, on the list. You're on the list. The list. Yeah, Kevin Owens and uh, the the turn Kevin Owens. I looked that up too, with him and Chris Jericho. That was classic. That was um, great because mm-hmm. he was doing the uh, "This Is Your Life" segment or something like that with Kevin Owens. And oh all yeah, that. <laughs> my God, unbelievable! All right, folks. So it looks like we went over our time limit here. Uh, we never do that. Uh, quick go around. Um, what, what's everybody got going on here, Benny? What's happening with you this week? Well, we're going to take a break from True Crime this week. We're going to come back the next Monday yep. and do an episode about Son of Sam. Yeah. Uh, on Tuesday, I have yep. an interview with Dan, Dan and Benny in the Ring, with oh, wow. uh, Renee Koloff, who is the widow oh. of Ivan Koloff. So oh, I, nice. I think that'll be very interesting. That's and then, awesome, of course, we have our, uh, yeah. We have our uh, the 30 and, and Wrestling Remembers. We're, we're busy guys. So the Renee Koloff, you're going to ask her about the Hall of Fame? Should he be in the Hall of Fame? That is one of the questions. Absolutely. Nice. Nice, nice. Uh, Huge snub. Can't uh, understand that one either. The president slash champion of Thursday night, Phil DeCesare. What do you got going on this week? Anything? I'm up early, working tomorrow, the regular job. I'm hoping to be able to check in with you guys, maybe uh, with the show. We also have an independent show tomorrow night up here. I I actually interviewed the promoter of the show, the the president of Lucky Pro Wrestling on the radio this morning. So. I may attend get, a few matches. What do you got? Um, what do you got for me an event in that one up there? Who's who's playing? These are, these are guys you yeah. probably don't know. There's a guy named Anthony Green who's been up to NXT before in a few places. Okay. Uh, yeah. Andrew Anderson, who yeah, I guess I know, the punter uh, yeah. was on Monty and the Pharaoh Price before. Yeah, I and, used to uh, beefcake. Yeah, I, and I understand he's going to be there bringing a, a, a special guest from ECW who remains oh, unnamed okay. at this point. Oh. So they're having their annual uh, Lethal Lottery, which is basically like a Royal Rumble to determine Lethal Lottery. Lethal yeah. Lottery to determine who will face a champion. It can be any one of the titles in Lucky Pro Wrestling. So yep. the winner gets a, a shot. So 
good good local you know new england oh, wow. wrestling and again they've launched a few careers too I so used to do some, uh big time wrestling all that. i used to be a ring announcer down there so oh sure i, I follow bob versus andrew anderson was a huge match i i did an introduction for nice so, yeah when i worked for extreme pro wrestling back down in yes the Paul river area and all that stuff yeah, yeah so andrew I know, Anderson's I know guy, yeah teddy teddy uh what's his name teddy oh god uh teddy i figured he was a champion Teddy Goods. Okay. Teddy All Goods. Right. I don't know if you know him. I don't know uh, Teddy. A no. lot of big guys were down there uh, making their way. Teddy Goods was actually on Raw one night when they were at the Garden. Oh, uh, cool. He one of those security guys that just stood there. There were like 20 of them. Yeah. I think, I think it was from Brock Lesnar, too. Uh, he stood he probably there. took an F5. He, huh? he got his face on TV like MJF did when uh, I think MJF was even there. He was yeah. one of those guys, you know, you know, small time stuff. But it's whatever. good stuff. It's really good yeah. stuff. All right, so I got to go over to the the the, cro- the most crooked referee in the world here. Not this uh, week. He was he was right on his game, baby. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. the wealthiest. <laughs> Somebody wants to start off in negative points this week. Oh. But I won't say who. <laughs> A lot of money was lost in Vegas on that one. Everyone thought Dan was Dan had the three count, but Dan Phil was a lock out. until I picked the lock. Dan had the three count. Phil kicked out, and Phil got him in the small package, and there was a bang bang. <laughs> and there is absolutely yeah. nothing saying that I cannot bet on Vegas odds. <laughs> Bruce, what do you got going on? All right. So first of all, tomorrow morning you're going to yep. be doing a recap. Yeah, I'll be going evening, live yep. when, I, when uh, the rest of the world gets up. We're going to do yep. another live recap, which is going to give a, a little bit different perspective. You know, we'll, we'll know a little bit more what happened behind the scenes at that point. Uh, maybe some injury reports. Hopefully not. But, you know, okay. you, you never know what's going to happen with these things. And, uh, you know, I think a little bit more will be revealed by by later tomorrow afternoon, early yeah. evening. And uh, yeah. hopefully uh, the player is going to jump on there with me. And uh, Absolutely. hopefully maybe uh, Jimmy Farrow himself. Then, of course, Thursday night, we have the best Pro wrestling game show out there, yep. the number one, and it's hosted by none other than me. Yeah, and uh, I've got this great panel of uh, wrestling experts that come along and uh, answer my questions. And currently, the champion of the thirty is Mr. President Phil DeCesare. That's it. Thank you. Thank you very much. And then, uh, <laughs> you know, I got. I got to tell you. Good, good, Bruce. Yeah, no, of course. Right after that, we have the Monty and the Pharaoh show at nine p.m. Yeah. and uh, the main I'm event. Not sure who they have this week, but I know they have a couple special guests coming up. Yep. They'll probably make they'll probably make fun of me uh, with my Francine moves and all that stuff. So <laughs> from my interview with her, they made fun of me last week. It was kind of funny because I did a podcast with Francine, who was told by a WWE higher up to oil up her chest and go see Vince McMahon to get noticed and all that stuff. So they played that from two thousand and one and. All, all, all they could look at was my face and my disgusted look and all that stuff and righteous they thought, indignation. They thought it, they thought I went Welcome to, to acting. Family, class. Welcome to the family. Yep. You, you look like yeah. Vince McMahon when he used to talk to the Grand Wizard, and yeah. Vince would be disgusted by the Wizard. He would make those looks. I had my glasses. I was very green back then, interviewing everybody. But she dropped that on my lap, and I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. And I know we're live, but off the record, <laughs> off, off the record, when I, I interviewed Maria Canellis as well. Uh, that was a great interview. She had a lot to say about the WWE and how they treat people. But off the record, um, you know, I can't share this on on the record, but off the record, she did tell me about some questionable behaviors of higher-ups, including Vince McMahon. So I would not be surprised if she was part of a class-action lawsuit uh, that's going on right now. I know I, I mentioned this uh, on my show the other night. 
but there's a law firm out of Chicago that is um, asking people who were victims of sexual harassment or assault in the WWE. And they also put UFC on there on this. So they have a website called wwesettlements.com. It goes to this Pullins and somebody law firm in Chicago. And I was on it, playing around on it. And the next day you couldn't get on it. Like their site crashed. The error marrow error message because i know a little bit about it uh this server was down so they got hammered most likely with people um looking to tell their story and all that and matter of fact i called them as well just to inquire about the website and they were very quick to call me back and so forth so they are um they're they're probably getting a lot of um, people to come forward that happened but i was shocked that ufc was listed on there um, I'm not sure what that was all about, but you can check it out, wwesettlements.com. So, um, you know, we got to keep. My friends that are lawyers can answer that for you. And it's you go after, you throw the biggest lasso out you can, yep. and then you slowly bring it back in. Yeah. No, I hear you. And this is going to be a lot. I, you know, this is only the beginning and still no update on the lawsuit. I, I was looking into, I got a couple of legal friends. I was looking into this lawsuit with Janelle Grant real quick. And, um, you know, a lot can happen. Uh, obviously, no court date has been set. Obviously, the other side has to file their motions, um, et cetera. It could be months and so forth. But like everybody in the legal field said, most likely this will be settled out of court, uh, whether it's money or whether she gets out of the NDA. She's not looking for money, as we all know. She just wants out of the NDA. But most legal experts predict this thing will be settled out of court. Um, they don't want to have that that stuff to go forward because if they do go to trial um, or anything like that, they, you know, secrets are going to get out. Things are going to be said. Um, so I don't think anybody in the WWE TKO endeavor wants that negative press. Um, so I think that, you know, that's, that's the logic behind that. And Billy Jack Haynes uh, remains hospitalized. Uh, we're checking that. I've been on the uh, Portland police, um, escapade website as you can tell they they're, they're really good um i've actually called the detective that's in charge and he is still hospitalized i'm i'm thinking now it, it's that 30-day thing where he's in a um a lockdown facility for 30 days and that's going to happen you know they'll get he he has he by the way he hasn't been formally charged with murder uh, i don't know if you guys knew that he has not been formally charged with murder he's he's only right now um alleged um, they know they know it's him. They have to arrest him and then, you know, charge him. But they can't do that until he's released from the hospital. So, you know, take your yeah, pick. I think we have a little more information on that, but I don't know if we're allowed to talk about it yet. What's with, that? With his, daughter, with his daughter, with that stuff that came through. Billy Jack Haynes' daughter? Yeah. Oh, no, okay. no. Her daughter. Um, her daughter. Oh, Judy? Uh, his stepdaughter. Yeah. She, she took her Facebook down. I know that. Um, yeah, I, I know that there's some information forthcoming. Um, yeah, Judy, Judy, I'm not sure it's public yet. Yeah, and uh, her, her, I think it's her cousin Sue Beecraft. She has a lot to say about this. I actually made contact with her. And they do want to tell their story when the time is right because there is another side of all this. We all know. Yeah, that's why I want to be very careful because I did yeah. learn. I'm just not sure if it's what's public and what's not yet. Yep. Um, I know if you go on Sue Beecraft's. Uh, facebook she uh, she's keeping it up on purpose if you read the comments in there you could pretty tell that stuff was going on within the family uh things were said um you know there's a history of um of domestic abuse 
um, all that stuff. So, you know, you, it's a family thing. It's out there on Facebook. I know the daughter had her Facebook. She had a tribute to her mother on there. And uh, she and she even said at the time she was getting inundated by press. And she was sick of everybody uh, turning Billy Jack Haynes into this, you know, larger than life character. Because as we all know, it's usually the person who did the crime that gets more pressed than the, the person that, that was the victim in this case. So, yeah, well, uh, money. Yeah, the, power. the victim gets forgotten in many cases. Yeah. yeah. And uh, they want to tell their side of the story and they probably they'll eventually will. Um, but he needs to be charged first. I think the detectives are telling them to lay low for a while. Um, even though Sue still has her Facebook up. So, you know, that it is what it is. Um, it could be any day they said, but honestly, I think he's in, you know, what's it been three weeks now, almost a month, right? Yeah. The 25th will be a month. So I, I would look, to, I would look for some action, uh, in the next few days. It might, they might even do it under the radar, uh, because the press is really on this. Uh, I know around here they're not, but Portland Press, I've talked to some people up there, KOIN people, they're on it. They're looking out um, when he gets out of the hospital. They'll, they'll they have to transport him to a jail uh, and arraign him and so forth. So it's going to be interesting when that happens, what kind of video comes out with it. You know, it's going to be something, it's going to be a big deal in Portland. It's already a big deal up there. So I know around here it's not, but it is up there. But, um, all right, way over. I'm going to say goodbye now because I got to get up in about six hours to watch a premium live event over on Australia. Pay-per-view. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, pay-per-view, right? Yeah. World dogs around here. I Anyways, think we will end up back in some type of pay-per-view model within no time. I remember you saying that, Bruce, and I, and I, I have to think that's uh, that could be pretty likely, man. It, you know? From microtransactions to macro. <laughs> <laughs> and you also got to remember that uh, my shitter's clogged. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck, and man, good luck to everything. You've had a no, hellish, it's, 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 it's actually it's, it's actually fixed now. It's the cleanup that I have to do. That's going to be. Uh, yeah, we got some sludge down there, and so that, that's forth, a shitty so. job. It is oh. a shitty job. Yeah. Don't call Vince. Yeah. So it's going to be one. Yeah. This is that was my day today, setting up for the show and doing this. I feel like this is a full time job. I mean, between <laughs> being on True Crime. Uh, Wednesday night, my show to 30 on Thursday, wrestling remembered on Saturday. And now I got this, the pay-per-view, uh, after this is a full-time job, right? Well, that, it's right. so funny. Last night we were, we were on from seven 30 to like 1130 Bruce. And yeah. then, uh, wow. Wow. and then I was up in the morning doing the thing too. So I'm, I, I sound yeah, a little off, hoarse because we, we, I, we got off the live broadcast. It was like 10, 10, 15. Yeah, we we we, we, we talked to about what eleven thirty. Yeah, wow, you guys are and, good. We are yeah. we are a hardworking crew, though. I got to say that. Well, just to let everybody know in the chat, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, for thank us. you so, all. We yes. wouldn't be here without you guys. Don't forget to tell your friends about Monty and the Pharaoh and hit that hit that like button. Even subscribe. I mean, what? How much is it, Bruce? A month? What is it? It's ten dollars a month for, for a membership, and uh, if you want I any autographs from anybody who comes through, or even yeah. previous guests, we have we have stuff out there for you guys, and uh, we also could do private, you know, uh, private events for you, private chats. We have members only videos. There's lots of benefits, and hopefully this year we're going to be coming out with a lot more. But the most yeah. important thing is it, it allows us to keep going, you know, keep the studio up, stuff like that. Yeah. And uh, we appreciate all, all you guys out there, and, uh, and thank you. Thank you. Yeah. 
Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. I mean, we're looking at we have merchandise as well. We got the money in yeah. the barrel stuff that's yep. And uh I've I've been working on some the 30 merchandise uh yeah. that uh hopefully we we can debut. I mean, I want to do sure. it in limited quantities just because obviously it gets expensive to to get stuff. So you know, right. we'll try to do limited limited numbers of stuff and uh you know, then we're gonna have you know some more t-shirts coming out. We got, sure. we got a lot of little stuff in the works. We got some new shows coming up. Yeah, you know, Marie, Marie so Davis. It should be a fun year. I'm, one of the things I really want to work on that I'm, I'm working on is these. Uh, is uh, I want to do some type of little figurines. You know, these 3D printing's okay. gotten less and less expensive. And how cool would it to be to have your own the 30 referee? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Maria Davis says Seth freaking Rollins will win his match. What match is that though? That's the that's the question. That's the big question. I have maybe no with idea. Becky in a hotel room. <laughs> no, no, no. He's a father now. Come on. She wears the pants. There you go. Right. She's the man. She is. Yep. There you go. All right, guys. We're going to get out of here way over the time limit, but whatever. We do what we do here. No rule. Yeah. You know that. Thank you, Bruce, the player, Phil DeCesare, for joining us. You guys are great. As always. Right back at uh, you. Real quickly, I will be on uh, right after the premium live event ends. It'll most it'll be after the press event that happens afterwards. So, um, actually, maybe I'll put the press event on while I'm on live here because I really don't think anything's going to happen with that unless there is a monumental shift in the road to WrestleMania. Um, but either way, I will be on after the premium live event. I'm getting up early. Um, East Coast people, it's one hour before for me. So what happens at 5 a.m., I'll be up at 4 a.m. now. So actually 3 a.m. for the pre-show because now there's a tag team title match. So, hey, it is what it is. But this is what we do for the fans, right? Sacrifice. We're going to entertain the fans. We are here for you. So when you're having your uh, Sunday breakfast, your brunch, your mimosas and all that stuff, join me. The conversation, I will be sending everybody a link uh, in my crew here if you want to pop on it's real sa- quick. Saturday. Well, actually, it is Sunday Sunday morning. Sunday morning. Excuse me. I'm See, I'm already thinking about tomorrow. So. I like the mimosa thing, though. That sounds be pretty Sunday, good. You know, it's going to be Sunday in Australia. You're okay. Okay, good. So uh, I'm going to be on Australian time. So I'll be on there tomorrow morning. Join me. I'll, maybe I'll be in my pajamas. Who knows? Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll buy some pajamas real quick and spruce up. What do you think? So you're gonna go from what a day to g'day, maybe. Ooh, yeah. I like that. What a g'day. Joe what a g'day. Oh, what a g'day, g'day mate. Hey. G'day, mate. <laughs> yep. My name is Joey. Joey. I'm a kangaroo. Yeah. yeah, Joey. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. All right, guys. Thank you so much for all your time and your expertise. And uh, well, I, the only thing I can say is I'm Joe Lowry. G'day. <laughs> That's not a knife. This is a knife. All right, guys. Take care. See Bye, ya, folks. Good night. Iso, quick question. 